from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, June 2nd. Seahawks released a statement on the tragic death of George Floyd last week in Minneapolis and formally pledging uh, grants from the Seahawks players equality and justice for all action fund any amount of $500,000 Seahawks players going to help determine the recipients for those grants. We also got to hear from Bobby Wagner yesterday. Um, some pretty emotional statements from one of the Seahawks leaders on how this personally affects him and sort of a call for all the people in the community, all the people listening uh, to step up and do something in this time. So we'll hear from Bobby in this hour as well. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Seahawks uh, released a formal statement yesterday in response to the death of George Floyd. Here's what it said. The Seahawks family is dismayed by the unacceptable act of violence that occurred against George Floyd last week in Minneapolis and grieve that loss, along with countless others in a similar manner, including most recently Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Our heartfelt condolences are extended to their families and every other family that has had to endure the pain from similar atrocities. These biased actions are systematic and have plagued our society for generations and have culminated to the current state of unrest we are experiencing. The Seahawks are guided by overall principles of acceptance and understanding that help us create a culture of respect, equality, and inclusiveness, both on and off the field. We as an organization and as individuals represent and respect a wide range of human differences, personal experiences, and cultural backgrounds. We stand with Seattle and every community in uniting to help heal our society and overcome the hurt, anger, and frustration through peaceful protests and acts of togetherness. With that, to further aid in the solution, the Seahawks players will begin the process of determining recipients for grants from the Seahawks Players Equality and Justice for All Action Fund in the amount of $500,000. We hope to advance conversations related to reformation in our nation's current policies regarding hiring and training within law enforcement judiciary protections and accountability, and for advanced education related to the history of race in America. It's a pretty powerful statement there from the Seahawks, but perhaps even more powerful hearing from Bobby Wagner yesterday. And he spoke with the media for about an hour and said he's tired of seeing people not be held accountable for their actions. He's tired of seeing people not being held accountable for the actions that they do. But understanding if we were in that position, we would be held accountable. And so... Um, you know, I challenge everybody on this call um, to do your part and report um, the media and report the message um, and what it really is. And, it's, it, you know, we're tired of seeing black people getting killed. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I'm having conversations with people and, you know, somebody said, man, you know what? I'm afraid to have a child. I'm afraid to have a black child because I don't know how are they going to be treated in this world based off their skin color? That's not something that anybody, that's not a position anybody should be in. 
Bobby Wagner also talking about how he's got a pretty great relationship with most people in the media, and he knows that they would be upset if something like this happened to him. But it shouldn't take that personal connection of someone close to you in order for you to be uh, enraged by this. I feel like it don't really hit home until it happens to you. So, you know, in the media, man, I know I, I you know, I can't see everybody on this, on this, um, you know, Zoom call, but I would go out on a limb and say, y'all rock with me. I'm pretty sure everybody on this call rock with me. So imagine if I was that person, you know, being having a uh, knee today, they neck. How would you feel? You know, we don't need like it don't need to happen to someone close to you for you to feel that way. And so, um, yeah, I just urge everybody to educate themselves. I urge everybody to you know figure out what we can do to make this better. I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm hurting and pissed off like everybody else. Speaking of that personal experience, though, Bobby Wagner relating a uh, personal experience that he had being pulled over by police. Uh, I got pulled over one time and um, they said it was for my tent, but I didn't have any tent. Um, but I was driving a car that wasn't mine, but it was a very nice car. And um, they were confused to how I got my hands on um, this nice of a car. And um, I, I would like to say they weren't believing me until they found out I was a, a football player at Utah State. And then the conversation, um, you know, I think I saw a tweet Sharon put out where sometimes, you know, the thing that we do uh, kind of affects us, you know, because we're football players, um, you know, people see us differently. But, you know, we still as scared as everybody else. We still have those thoughts and feelings as everybody else. We still go through those things um, as everybody else. Not as much, I guess, maybe. Um, but, you know, you fear for it because what if I wasn't a football player? You know, what would happen? BWAG's also saying he and admitting he doesn't have all the answers, but education is a great start. You know, I don't have all the answers. And I don't even know if what I'm saying is coming out um, perfect. But I do know that, you know, we need to educate ourselves you know, on both sides, you know, I feel like, you know, white people need to educate themselves on what the, what the black experience is like. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's not, you know, we look at the media, you know, media is a lot, it is really white, but there's some black media. And, you know, I think it's important to have a conversation with them to understand what are some of the things they go on. Cause it's just as important for y'all to understand what the things that they have to deal with. You know, football is a special place because we get to be around all walks of life white, black, um, you know, people from Canada, you know, all over. So be exposed to those things. So I challenge you guys to educate yourselves on, you know, what it's like to be black in America. And, um, you know, I definitely feel like we have to educate ourselves as well because there's a lot of things that they're not teaching us in schools. There's a lot of things that we are not learning in schools, you know, um, and we need to figure out why that is. You know, everybody is supposed to be getting the same education, but we all know that's not the case. Bobby, also talking about some of the protests here in Seattle uh, that he went down on Saturday, but also had to leave at one point. I feel like this is a very interesting time right now. I feel like a lot of people are listening, um, especially in the white community, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, I think it's important that you try to get that knowledge. And I think that it's important that you reach out to your fellow black members in the media to try to get that knowledge because 
Um, they always say, you know, knowledge is power. And I believe that, but I also believe that um, the ability to use and apply that knowledge is where the true power comes. So what's good, what's good in having knowledge if you ain't going to use it? So use the knowledge, see how you can help, and, you know, spread the message. I was there at the, the protest on Saturday, and it was very peaceful. Until, you know, some white people started burning up cop cars. So instead of reporting, um, you know, report the protest, the peaceful side of the protest as well. Report the people that are doing good, because there's a lot of people that's doing good out there. There's a lot of people that want to see the world change and don't want to see the world like this anymore. We want to feel good to have our kids in this world. And, you know, it has to mean something. As Bobby Wagner speaking to the media, you can watch the full press conference, which was just under an hour. Bobby taking plenty of time to talk about this as well as uh, some more football-related questions. But uh, always good to hear from one of the team leaders on a tough subject. DeMarie Smith, NFLPA Executive Director, also speaking yesterday on players being frustrated and having a voice at this time. So sports is is simply a reflection at times of what we are going through. I don't believe that our role is simply to provide entertainment and an escape for people. I know that people love their football, and I do too, but our job, our core mission, isn't to just provide an escape for people. We work, um, our players work just like other workers. They're exposed just like other workers. And we stand shoulder to shoulder with every man and woman who's a part of organized labor because we understand that these are all people who work for a living. But I don't think our job should just be to provide an escape. And when I see our players um, actively involved in expressing their anger and their frustration and their outrage, I, I think I'm proud of them because there are certainly days where I want to flip over a table. Um, I don't have one of those jobs where you get to throw things up against the wall. But are there days where you are simply frustrated with status quo? Absolutely. And when our men decide to be a part of their community and, and be agents for positive change, this is a union that is always going to support them um, and stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Speaking of uh, some of those positive actions and positive moving towards positive change, we'll discuss more later in this hour and some players uh, taking upon themselves to be involved in some of these peaceful protests. Um, We'll explain later in the hour, but up next on the Blitz, Major League Baseball also now on a time crunch and may have a response to the players' proposal that was floated on Sunday. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, June 2nd. Thanks for hanging out this morning. It was great to hear from Bobby Wagner earlier in the hour, and we'll still hear from more from him later in this hour Uh, But first, the fate of baseball in 2020, it could depend on how many games are played. Major League Baseball has had some discussion about playing a shorter schedule in which the owners would pay members of uh, the MLBPA. So players are full prorated salaries, but would include much fewer games than originally proposed. The 82 games that they originally proposed 
Of course, the players coming back and saying they wanted to play 114 games earlier this week on Sunday. We heard that, Jeff Passan reporting on that. But now the possibility of implementing a schedule of around 50 games that would start in July has been considered by the league as a last resort in the event that the parties can't come to a deal. And in this situation, they would play pay the full prorated portion of players' salaries, which is what players have been holding out for based on a March 26 agreement with the league. And in an offer Sunday, as you mentioned, that 114-game schedule, that would cover, under their plan, the players' plan, 70.3% of their original salaries. A 50-game schedule, even with full prorated salaries, would pay uh, just over 30% of their original salaries. Now, here is the interesting part. Language back in that March agreement uh, appears to give Commissioner Rob Manfred the right to deliver a season schedule after, quote, good faith discussions between the league and the union. So if uh, they believe that they have had those good faith discussions, Rob Manfred could say, hey, we are going to play a season in July, and that's going to be around 50 games players wanting to play more at the full prorated salary, uh, the owners wanting to play less and originally wanted to have that sliding scale of salaries. But under that March agreement would honor that, uh, but would also have control over the amount of games played. Jeff Passan on the MLBPA delivering their proposal and this response. Turn to look at a proposal that they believe is equally egregious. And the problem is they want to play fewer games. The players want to play 114 games. They want to pay less in salary because there are going to be no fans in the stands. The players want their full prorated salary, which at 114 games is about 70 percent of what they would be making during a regular season. So the owner's response to the player's proposal, a pass in detailing that just a little bit more. What's happening right now is Major League Baseball saw the 114 game proposal that the Players Association had and said, this is not going to work. What they are willing to do at this point, though, is go to a full pro rata over a shorter season. Now, the length of the season is going to be really difficult for the players to accept. It's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 games. But the issue here is that Major League Baseball is moving a little bit toward the middle along with the players trying to as well. For the longest time, really since the end of March when this agreement was put into place, players have been asking for their full pro rata salary. A 50-something game season Major League Baseball would be willing to do to get them there. Ultimately, MLB looking for ways to reduce players' money, whether that is scaling and taking further pay cuts and playing a longer season, the 82 games they originally proposed, or it's just playing less games at the full prorated salary. But Buster only mentioning that, just looking for ways to reduce players' cost. Players, on one hand, yes, they're going to get their their prorated salaries, daily prorated salaries, but the owners are saying, you know, since you're not willing to accept uh, any reductions at an 82-game season, we'll just play 50 games and we'll reduce you that way. The reason why I think that they're exposed going forward is is that the owners, as they go into the next CBA talks, are going to be more aggressive. There clearly is frustration on MLB's side about the leadership of Tony Clark and, and Bruce Meyer. Ultimately, 
This may hinge, the 2020 season and its fate may hinge on the number of games played. The league doesn't want to do 62-114 games. It's talking even fewer than that. And the big question at this point is going to be whether the players are willing to do something that short. Because remember, if you're playing 50 games instead of the 82 that was proposed initially, if you're playing 50 out of 160, you're looking at all, you know, less than a third of their salary there. Is that something that the players are going to be willing to do? The league believes that in that March agreement, it has the ability to set the schedule. Now, we have to remember this March agreement has been a bone of contention already. The league has not believed that the players have the right to a full pro rata share from that agreement. That's something that the players have been stuck on. And it's going to be interesting to see what the response is to this, considering just how quickly the league could be getting back to the union on this. Buster only also um, speaking, though, that he feels still at this time optimistic for a season happening, which is good news for a lot of baseball fans out there. He still says that there's feeling around MLB is that there will be a season. We're going to play something and we're going to you know, make this agreement, give you an offer of at least 50 games, which is the minimum that we can do. We've told you that we are going to want salary rollbacks. If you won't agree to those, then we'll have the minimum number of games. So that means we would pay the lowest amount of money while giving you your prorated salaries. And now they, you know, they flip the ball into the players' court. According to the documentation that they have, the players uh, you know, legally are not supposed to go out on strike at this time. They obviously could, you know, talk about, you know, different compromises. Uh, There is growing confidence this evening that they're going to find some middle ground. I will tell you, you know, it's good that they're talking. It's good they're getting a season going. But uh, I have no doubt that the way this is played out, that the owners would be coming for the players' lunch money in the future. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Keep you updated on that. Up next on the Blitz, though, You know, extending empathy, extending an ear and listening, they're two things that all of us can do to be better friends, to be better neighbors, to be better citizens. And I kept thinking about that yesterday, listening to some powerful words from Ray Roberts and Michael Bumpus. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, June 2nd. Yesterday, as part of Danny and Gallant, had the extreme privilege of listening to Ray Roberts. And we love having Ray on the station uh, just to hear from him normally on football, normally on the offensive line and how they're doing. But yesterday, feel very privileged uh, to have heard from him on a much tougher subject to talk about. And I want to replay it for you because I think it's important for uh, you to hear and even rehear if you heard it yesterday. So thank you to Ray for this, his words on Danny and Gallant yesterday. I would like to take this time to paint a picture that I hope will replace the images of the last few days and lead to a level of understanding, sympathy, and empathy, and actionable, measurable change. I do not have all the answers, and this is not intended to help you figure out what to do. That's your work. In 1619, the first Africans were kidnapped and brought to this country. They landed on the shores of Virginia, a place called Point Comfort, of all places. 
and were auctioned off and sold into slavery. From that moment, the blood that ran through the veins of this country did not run for us. The heartbeat of this country did not beat for us. We were never intended to share in its success or live freely within its borders. Think about that. Then consider this. Enoch Waters, who graduated from Hampton University in 1933 and worked for the Chicago Defender, the nation's largest black daily newspaper, and became the editor of the Associated Negro Press, wrote a piece entitled, The Only American. It reads, the black man is the only American who came here not seeking freedom because he had been robbed of it, not looking for a home because he had been snatched from his, not as a fugitive from persecution because it awaited him, not in search of opportunity because it was beyond his reach, not in pursuit of happiness because, it had, because he had left it behind, not hoping for love because there was none for him, and not willingly because he came as a slave in chains. Think about that. Paint that picture in your mind and sit with it. Also sit with this. There were multiple generations of black people born in this country that never experienced freedom. I'll say it again. There were multiple generations of black people born in this country that never experienced freedom. Fast forward to the life and times of my grandfather, Warren Henry Roberts. He served and fought for this country. He fought for freedoms and rights that he did not have access to in this country. When he returned home, he was still called nigger. He could not eat in the same restaurants or drink from the same water fountains as his fellow white soldiers. He could not sit in the same classrooms or live in the same neighborhoods. The back door was still the expected entrance to most establishments. He did not have the same access to health care, education, jobs, or housing that the white soldiers had. He could be beaten and even murdered for just looking at a white woman. And many of the, pers- the perpetrators of these actions were white dudes he fought alongside of. So when I think about Kaepernick kneeling and all the shouts of he's disrespecting the flag, the military in this country, my blood boils. Our sacrifice for this country is unmatched and is not even close. Now, fast forward to the life and times of my father, Richard Ray Roberts, Sr., and my uncles. And in this moment, I don't want to forget all the black women who, who, who suffer the most. When black men are snatched for their lives and they're not fathers and they're not providers and they're not husbands and they're not someone to love on. They were denied opportunities, tormented, and had to face and endure blatant racism and hate and had to bite, scratch, and claw for limited resources, essential jobs. It saddens me to know that my dad's best self was diminished and limited because of systems, mindsets, and people who do not value him as a man or as a human. Then I think of my life, the things I've seen. As a kid, I witnessed Klan marches in my, in my town. The summer before ninth grade, while on a bike ride with my cousin, I was chased by a group of white dudes. I crashed and broke my wrist. 
I missed the beginning of the football season because of it. And I cannot count the number of times I've been called a nigger. My mother was told by my elementary school to, uh, elementary school principal that I should attend a college that focused on football because I would never graduate from the University of Virginia. To the feeling, to feel like I wasn't even completely welcomed at the University of Virginia. Even as a player in the NFL, while a member of the Detroit Lions, I was pulled over and asked to explain how I could afford such a nice car or what work did I do to afford it. I was also stopped driving through my own neighborhood and asked why was I there. I was stopped in Redmond, Washington, just a little ways from my home, and asked if I was lost. Then I think of more recent things, like athletes uh, been told to stick to sports our players been called sons of bitches by the president. To African-American men been murdered by those who are sworn to protect. When it comes to people of color and protests or pushback in this country, it more times than not is met with force and aggression. While whites toting guns, assault rifles, and who knows what else, are free to move about and within a state capitol building. Screaming in the faces of law enforcement and taunting them. Then I think to white mass shooters being apprehended, apprehended alive, and even taken to Burger King or even given water to be made comfortable. And I see black men. <clears throat> sorry. I see black men <clears throat> dying while selling cigarettes and CDs, while being stopped for a traffic violation, being killed while in cuffs, and like Mr. Floyd, begging to breathe and shouting out for the comfort and safety of his already deceased mother. I can't help but have images of slaves being beaten and hung to death, begging and shouting out for the comfort and safety of their motherland. I could go on and on. I believe and feel that what we are seeing and witnessing in this moment is an uncovering or exposing of a wound that was never meant to be tended to nor healed. We were expected to lay down, obey, fall in line, or bleed out. And honestly, guys, there is financial gain for some to keep it that way. CNN, Fox, other sports outlets, uh, other media outlets and platforms all feed the beast. They lack cultural and racial representation, cultural awareness and competence, and engage in divisive language, opinions, and programming because it drives listenership, and that fills bank accounts. It's like a competition or a sport in and of itself. Who can be the most outrageous, the most controversial, the most divisive? It has become a game to gain the most listeners so that they can pat themselves on the back, feel good about their ratings, and put money in their pockets. And although I appreciate the opportunity to speak freely on this station, Bonneville is just as guilty. So to close, this is bigger than George Floyd or Trayvon Martin, or Ferguson, or Martin Luther King Jr., or Malcolm X. This is about a historical mindset and system that was never, never intended to benefit us, and we were never expected to, to defeat it or overcome it. And to those of you who are participating in the riots, know that there are those who see this as an opportunity to destroy, rob, and steal. Know that there are those covertly involved to instigate so that, <clears throat> so that the peaceful protesters can take the blame. 
Know that destruction and violence is how the other side expects and wants you to respond so that they can use these actions to distract themselves from the real issues and use, and use as an excuse not to hear us. Know that if they can't hear us, they cannot be challenged to defeat their own biases, isms, flawed mindsets, perspectives, and actions. And if they can't do that, they can't have their hearts changed. And if they can't do that, then policies and laws do not change. And if that happens, the future is bleak, and we continue to lose, and injustice continues to prevail. And to those on the other side, you know the game that's being played. You know what the issues are, and you're choosing to be distracted. By doing so, you protect your level of comfort, and your comfort will be the reason our country will never be its best self. Choose to engage the discomfort of putting in the work. Challenge and defeat yourselves. It is an individual and personal journey. Then use your privilege, access, resources, influence, knowledge, and power to help make a difference and deliver change. This is really hard, Danny. Yeah. It really is, bro. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> with, with all the success I've had, and I don't, I don't read that for people to feel sorry for me or to be a victim or anything because I overcame all of that. But I still, at night, worry about my son getting home. And that was before, even before this. I, I, I still worry that my son gets home safely. That his that he doesn't get pulled over. My son is six foot eight and three hundred pounds, and he wears, drives a big car with big wheels and tinted windows and loud music. And he lives in Woodenville, so it'd be really easy for for a, a movement of his to be to to be misunderstood and him not make it. So that's the type of stuff that people live with daily. Not not just in these moments, but it's daily. Every day, people live like this. It's a burden that they carry. It's a fear. It's an anxiety. Even thinking about social distancing and wearing masks, I have to think about every single time I go in the grocery store, I put the mask on, and I make sure that I'm friendly and I speak to every single person that I come by because I don't want anybody to misinterpret my body language or anything as something other than just trying to find food. Thank you so much to Ray Roberts for sharing his story and speaking his truth on Danny and Gallant yesterday and allowing me to replay it today as well on my show. You can listen to Ray's full interview online at 710sports.com. Just click on the podcast tab and it is under the Danny and Gallant podcast because I, I truly believe that's worth multiple listens. And again, empathy listening to things that we can't have enough of right now in our society up next on the Blitz, uh, speaking of listening, we got to do that from Bo- to Bobby Wagner yesterday, and he spoke on these issues as well. Also, the NFL PA director, DeMaurice Smith, had some thoughts on what players and what role owners can play right now. The Seahawks also with an official response. All ahead in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for 
The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Former Denver Bron- uh, Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall, a college teammate, longtime friend of Colin Kaepernick, who kneeled for the Star Spangled Banner before eight games in the 2016 season, protest excessive use of force by police and social injustice, says he hopes people are now ready for what Kaepernick's message was almost four years ago. He said, quote, back then we were called rogues. People said that we didn't deserve jobs, but this is what we were talking about then. I think people are looking at Kaepernick now like, okay, maybe he knew. We also heard similar sentiments from NBA legends and longtime social activist Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yesterday echoing Marshall's thoughts. He was in an interview with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter and talked about the role of athletes in protests in the in history. A beacon for young people in the black community and to see athletes like Jalen responding in, in this way is really wonderful. And I'm so happy to see another generation of athletes understand what has to be done and what has to be said. Here's an example that people should, should try on. There's been a lot of talk about how horrible the, the rioting and looting is. That is no way to demonstrate. But people should think about the fact that Colin Kaepernick tried to demonstrate peacefully. What did he get? He got ostracized. He lost his job. He was blackballed. That was a peaceful protest about an issue that is uh, very real. No one could acknowledge that. we got to get to the point where we take these people seriously and acknowledge the wrongs that they are trying to identify and right them. That's the way that we make progress. Bomani Jones, always somebody I appreciate hearing from the Right Time host, uh, talked about Roger Goodell and needing for him to stand up and say what's obvious. For example, on the matter of Colin Kaepernick, Goodell wants Kaepernick to be back in the league. I think on matters like the Rooney Rule, Goodell wants this to get better. Like, he's not the bad guy on this stuff. What he is, though, is the representative of these owners. Hey, man. You got a lot of money. You made a lot of cash if you are Roger Goodell. If these things really matter to you, I would think that being the commissioner of the NFL, the dude that like 10, 12 years ago we got on the cover of Time magazine as being Mr. Law and Order and as some kind of sheriff, you can stand up and say what is obvious here. Omani Jones also on the NFL and its fan base. For them to then say that they think that Kaepernick would cost them 20% in revenue, they need to explain that out a little bit more. Like, are you saying that you, the NFL, believe that your fan base is racist in such a way that they would not be able to watch their favorite thing in the world because of the presence of this one person? Because if that's what you believe, you need to come out and say it. Because when people like me stand behind Kaepernick, we're accused of being racist against white people. But it's the NFL that is telling you that they don't think that white people can handle a matter of political disagreement. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also with some further thoughts on, is this the moment where real change can take place? I think this is a moment that everybody can point to that an awakening took place. I hope people are now awake to how horrible institutionalized racism is and that it is a problem that, that needs to be fixed now, somehow. And we have to start talking about it now. This is urgent. This is not something that we can keep putting off. If, if everybody remembers uh, 
the Rodney King incident, that was 30 years ago. Was that a, a routine traffic stop? No. Okay. So we that is the issue, the way <clears throat> that we are unable to get to a point that uh, these things are reduced, these incidents are reduced, and we figure out a better way for us to police our neighborhoods without unnecessary deaths. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also on his state of mind right now. I feel like I'm caught between hope and history. The hope is that the United States will live up to its ideals and overcome its history of very poor racial attitudes that end up in violence against black Americans. I hope that we will deal with the better aspects of who we are as Americans. But history is... uh, it uh, very, makes it very tough to have a positive uh, outcome, it seems. Uh, it, it just, we, we just seem, can't seem to get past a certain point, and that is very troubling. Current athletes, though, speaking up right now, Trey Young, uh, Hawks guard, saying it's going to take all of us. I know this, this country is in a messed up place right now. For me, I just think it's important that, that we all stick together and we stand up for what's right. It's not just going to take just me. It's not just going to take just you. It's all of us coming together and doing this as a collective unit. And I feel like justice will be served and changes will be made if we all come together. And this is this is us doing it. This is the first step. I pray every day that, this, that justice will be served for George and his family. It's not just him. It's hundreds and hundreds of other people. This is it's got to change. Thank you guys for letting me talk. And... I just want to say no justice, no peace. The fate of baseball in 2020, well, it could depend on how many games are played and if Major League Baseball and the Players Association can agree on a number in that regard, although it may not even matter. I'll explain why in just a second. But Major League Baseball has now discussed playing an even shorter schedule, uh, which it would pay members of the MLB Players Association their full prorated salaries but would include much fewer games than originally discussed. 82 games originally uh, proposed by Major League Baseball, but there's a possibility of implementing a schedule of around 50 games that would start in July. That's been considered as part of a last resort in the event that these two parties can't come to a deal. Earlier this week, the Players Association responding to the owner's original proposal with one of their own that included 114 games and full prorated salaries. But players have held out for that full proration based on the March 26th agreement that they reached with the league. But a crux also in that agreement, it appears to give Commissioner Rob Manfred the right to deliver a season schedule, quote, after good faith discussions between the league and the union. So in the first section of the agreement under the resumption of play heading, it reads, quote, by entering into this agreement, the office of the commissioner, the players association, the clubs and players recognize that each of the parties shall work in good faith to as soon as as it is practicable, commence play and complete the fullest 2020 championship season and postseason that is economically feasible. So if they've considered this enough good faith discussions, a last resort could be for Rob Manfred to say, hey, we'll play a 50 game schedule and we will honor the full proration for players at that schedule. But it will come in uh, around just about 30 percent of their original salaries this year because much fewer games. Yesterday, we got to hear from Bobby Wagner on uh, everything that's going on right now and including the death of George Floyd. And the Seahawks' response yesterday, they uh, put out a formal statement 
saying they are dismayed by the unacceptable act of violence that occurred against George Floyd last week in Minneapolis and grieve that loss. They also committed and said Seahawks players will begin the process of determining recipients for grants from the Seahawks Players Equality and Justice for All Action Fund in the amount of $500,000. They said, quote, we hope to advance conversations related to reformation in our nation's current policies regarding hiring and training within law enforcement, judiciary protections and accountability and for advanced education related to the history of race in America. So important conversations. Bobby Wagner talking to the media for about an hour yesterday and said he's tired of seeing people not be held accountable for their actions. I'm tired of seeing people not being held accountable for the actions that they do. But understanding if we were in that position, we would be held accountable. And so, um, you know, I challenge everybody on this call um, to be your part and report um, the media and report the message um, and what it really is. And, you know, we're tired of seeing black people getting killed. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm I'm having conversations with people and, you know, somebody said, man, you know what? I'm afraid to have a child. I'm afraid to have a black child because I don't know how they're going to be treated in this world based off their skin color. That's not something that anybody, that's not a position anybody should be in. I recommend watching the full video of Bobby speaking from the heart, uh, but also describing what the message is. You know, I feel like a lot of focus is on, you know, the rioting, the, um, the looting, the people stealing stuff. Um, but we're not talking enough about what started that. You know, I think the black community is tired of seeing the same things going on and not seeing the change. And, um, you know, I think we're tired of seeing people not being held accountable for the actions that they do. But understanding if we were in that position, we would be held accountable. And so... Um, you know, I challenge everybody on this call uh, to be your part and report um, the media and report the message um, and what it really is. Again, recommend uh, you watch that entire video of Bobby. It is posted on the Seahawks uh, webpage on their YouTube channel. So please uh, check it out. That's a wrap for the hot list and the entire Blitz at Six Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way in just seconds here on 710 ESPN Seattle.